and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. You hear your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And uh, today, we are back to our previously scheduled programming. Uh, we are going to be featuring um, the first part of Ring of Minotaur, an Anne Manx series, Anne Manx and the Ring of Minotaur. This is by the RRCA, Radio Repertory Company of America. They have been producing shows for nearly 20 years now. Um, amazing. Um, they sort of picked up in the mid-90s when uh, NPR was still actually looking for a little bit of radio drama programming and then have been carried on things like XM and Sirius as they were first uh, founded, um, carried on some of the streaming stations, and now um, through Audible and um, Amazon and iTunes and booksellers like that. Um, they do have a good following for their various sci-fi series. They also have um, more de- weird detective stuff and a real interesting variety of material. Uh, what kind of one of their claims to fame is that they uh, are always seeking out uh, professional, known actors and actresses from uh, film and television world to be part of their productions. Um, probably the most famous is, um, as we'll hear in this one, uh, Claudia Christian from Babylon 5, who is Anne Manx. Um, we also hear Richard Fish, who we also know from the audio world, uh, though he doesn't do quite as well in this one, um, and um, other other stars. Um, and as we heard, you know, Ed, Ed, Ed Asner's and others for um, Songbird a couple weeks back. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a, a take great actors, uh, really fun scripts, and mix them with uh, professional sound design, and you get the work of RRCA. Uh, we'll have the first half of Anne Manx coming up here in just a moment, and we'll follow that with an interview. We had an exclusive interview with Angelo Panetta, um, sound designer, and Larry Weiner, writer of RRCA. Um, first up, though, we do have the next installment of The Cleanse. This is The Cleansed, uh, Chapter 15. Uh, so we are, let's see, uh, Lucian has been saved. Uh, Mar- Maria is in trouble, and we're back to Maria in this installment, uh, seeing how things are going with the big man. Um, and it's not so good. Um, with over 40 tracks of pigs for your enjoyment, mic'd from various parts of portly piggers here in maine no animals were harmed in the making of this scene that you're about to hear though possibly our actors uh, sorry about that <laughs> here we go cleanse chapter 15 final room productions presents the cleansed season one chapter 15 story of Jonah and the whale? Um, yeah. Yeah, why? Well, that whole thing about being in the belly of the beast. Okay. That's how it felt that night. Locked in Tully's barn, with the smell of the pig manure all around me. Stuffed in moldy hay. Knowing that at any time, he might just come back. It's okay, Maria. No, Luke. No. Luke, it's not okay. It's not okay at all. One hand and 
god! You like corn, Hush, don't ya? Corn cob too! Hungry, ain't ya? Too bad. Too bad you gotta keep your appetite for something special. Real special, huh? Where am I? You shut up till I talk to you first. Let's see if you can answer my questions now. No! Tell me where you come from. Oh, ow! Please! Haven't started yet, little girl. You know my pigs is hungry. You're hurting me! I wouldn't stick my hand in there. Oh, you've got it now. You give little Piggy a snack and he wants the whole meal. I'm bigger. Come on, you dumb kid. Where'd you come from? North. North. North, huh? Hey, what is North? You live with that man? He your dad? Or maybe your special friend? No. You're too pretty to be loose in the wilderness. You come from good ranch. You still got all your teeth. No, not all your fingers. Quit your crying, girl. You quit it, or I'll give you something to cry about. Why? Why? Why you got to trespass on my property, little girl? Why you gotta go after Tully's con? Tully, the only farmer saved the non-genetic before the war. Now everybody wants his con. But you can't have it. None of you can. Please! I hate that word. Please, 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 don't do this, don't do that, old Tully. All of them want forgiveness, but none of them don't eat the corn. If you eat the corn, what my pigs gonna eat? I tell you, it's one big circle. You can't eat people, that'd be cannibalizing. Some do it, but Tully don't. I ain't stooping that low. But if you get to hog to do the work first, why, there ain't nothing wrong with eating the hog. <laughs> Now, what'd you go and do that for? I didn't say we were feeding you. You're too pretty. Old Telly, he could use a little missy like you around. Get away from me. Oh, it's me and the hogs, little girl. Which do you want? Get away! Ah, ah, you little witch. You witch. We will eat you now. Come on. Sorry. Show little girl why she ought to took Tully instead of you. No, no. John. Oh, for God's sake. I'm caught on a jumping off me. Oh, Maria. I'm coming. Get back here, con steal us. Oh, Maria, get down. along here. I found it yesterday. It's stuck pretty well. Help me. Not you, Amos, the big guy. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Look at all that. Guns. Hell's fire. What do we want with all that? To live in this world. We must wage war as the world does. Our faith will sustain us, but the guns, they'll make the others listen. 
There's so many. We need to carry what we can. I doubt these will be left here long. Amos, you know the quickest way to the surface? Outside the city? You mean towards the water? Yeah. We're going to go there. You don't have to carry the steel shooters if you don't want to. But we'll need help. Okay. Okay, you start. I'm still looking for something. My first duty as a follower of Saul was to take them back to the soup. Down the dark tunnels to where... To where things shattered for me. Looking for the thing which we thought was so precious to John. Yet just like me, he left it behind. Where is it, Zeke? This is it. Where we were attacked. Uh, I'm so sorry for that, though it was a while ago, wasn't it? Captain. Who are these people? Friends, Zeke. It was you, wasn't it? You told them where to find Shh, us! Zeke! Mind your words. We all feel upset from time to time, but we can't take back what we say. They are! They're the soldiers! Listen to me very closely, Zeke. These people, they take orders from me, not from anybody else. When I say they're here to support our mission, I mean they are here for you and me. Do you understand? Maybe. Let me show you. Officer. Yes, Captain. At all costs, protect Zeke. He is one of us. Yes. Protect the child. One of who? The real force, Zeke. You'll see. But please, could you focus? Where are the goods? Someone must have moved it. The car with the nuclear stuff. It didn't go with John. The others, you know, the ones who didn't get caught. They're still out here, right? Maybe down this tunnel. This leads deeper into the soup. Does this sound right to you, men? I don't know any better. Very well. Zeke, lead on. Someone's coming. Okay. That is our mark. Lucian, start pushing the cart. Okay. Amos, lead the way. But you. I need to address what's coming. Who do you think, devil? <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> You're still so trivial, Paul. When I heard out of the West, I scarcely believed. God will wipe the wickedness off your face. Oh, come on, Paul. What is wickedness? You are here for the same reason I am. I? Only wish to protect myself from your wicked people. I, I thought the Lord did that for you. The Lord has put these weapons here for the righteous. But his true wrath is not to be found. Oh, riddles, Paul. Stupid riddles. I'm afraid I don't trust 
I wouldn't do that. I've got twelve men, Paul. Don't screw around. The Lord will protect me. From a dozen men? Yea. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Paul! I shall fear no Paul! Amos, Lucian, are you clear? Yes. Then may God's holy wrath strike down these infidels. Live by the sword and die! Back! 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 Oh, you fool! Paul! Run! May God give you the wings of angels! podcast version of The Cleansed. To hear the rest of this episode in its entirety and uncut, visit www.thecleansed.com. You can purchase the entire director's cut for $1.99. Also see a full cast and crew list, exclusive behind-the-scenes video, character sketches, and more. Again, that's www.thecleansed.com. Or catch us next week for another free installment. New episodes of The Cleansed will go up on this podcast for free each Friday from March through October 2012. Those are available at thecleansed.com, finalrune.com, and radiodramarevival.com. The Cleansed is a Final Rune production. Find more free audio stories at www.finalrune.com. That's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. And that was The Cleansed, thecleansed.com. For more of that, you've got character bios, um, behind-the-scenes stories, uh, past episodes, links to the full director's cut downloads, and more at thecleanse.com and behind-the-scenes videos, including where we threw our actress into a big pile of hay to get the just the right sound for that scene. Um, all right, um, so this is it. Uh, we're moving on now to uh, RRCA's and Manx Ring of Minotaur Part 1. Enjoy. Hey, buddy, I think you've had enough. <laughs> I could drink every bottle in this place, and I still wouldn't have had enough. Bad marriage, huh? Hey, make it a double. Maybe I better have one, too. Nah, it's even better than that. I know where the ring is. What ring? The wedding ring? I'm talking about the ring of Minotaur. I know where it is. Hey, now I know you're drunk. Give me that drink back. It's real, I tell you. And I'm going after it. And when I put that ring on my finger and recite the oath that's inscribed on it, I'm going to become immortal. That's it. You've had enough. Bruno, Bruce, I got one over here for you. He's plastic. Oh, come on, buddy. Let's go. Next time I come back here, I'm going to be a god. Yeah, yeah. The ring of Minotaur. Right. Yeah, get out of here, you nut. Who are you? Gene Richmond. 
Are you hurt? Not after looking at you. I couldn't help but overhear what you were saying in the bar. Oh, and that arm looks pretty bad. Oh, it, it'll probably look better after they reattach it. I've heard stories about the Ring of Minotaur, but everyone knows it's just a myth. Well, it ain't no myth, myth, because I found it. You found it? Well, I didn't actually find the ring. I found a map to the first temple. That's where the ring is. Lady, do you know how much that ring is worth? Tell me. People would trade entire fortunes to get their hands on that ring just so they can put it on their finger. Kings would trade their countries, emperors would trade their empires. It's worth that much? You find it harder to believe, huh? Well, check this out. <laughs> this here is a copy of the only map to the first temple. Where's the original? George Miller's got it. He's an archaeologist. He hired me to go on the dig with him. That's because I'm good with my hands. Uh, hand. One night, I snuck into his tent and made a copy of the map with my trusty portable skin. Hmm. Lady, these days you can't trust anyone. Huh, tell me. So, uh, with this ring, I could... I mean, someone could actually become immortal just by putting it on their finger? Then, you gotta find someone who could translate the oath on the ring. I see. And this map will lead me, I mean, lead someone to the ring? That's about the size of it, lady. Mm. What are you doing with that gun? <laughs> well, I'm gonna kill you, you silly man. <laughs> you were right. You just can't trust anyone today. Oh, thanks for the map. Even if this ring doesn't have any power, it should be worth billions. Enough money for me to buy an army and finally take over this sector. And if the ring does have the power to make someone immortal, no one will be able to stop me. Not even Annie Manx. Repertory Company of America presents Anne Manx and the Ring of Minotaur, starring Claudia Christian as Anne Manx and Patricia Tallman as Jean Richmond, and co-starring Alexandra Tidings as Charlotte Miller. But hold uh, our weight. Well, I just. Uh, oh. Uh, Ow. Look at that! Particle board! <laughs> the salesman oh. told me it was oh. solid cherry. Oh, I'm sorry, Annie. Oh, you couldn't <laughs> use the couch like most people. No, you would be daring and do it on my desk. <laughs> my brand new office, and I got a broken desk. Now, what am I supposed to do? Well, that's what you get for becoming a private eye. If you'd stayed in the forest, you'd be sitting behind a solid metal desk, one strong enough to hold the weight of ten people. Jack, I never knew you were that kinky. <laughs> well, hmm. The desk's already broken, so uh, we might as well finish what we started. <laughs> you <laughs> dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me, guys. Um, my uh, friend Jack and I were just uh, trying to fix this desk. Yeah. I thought you locked the door. Oh, well, sue me. I forgot. Where are my pants? Hi, I'm Ann Minx. Your pants are behind the couch while you're back there swimming mine, will you? Should I come back at a better time? No, we were just finishing up in here anyway. Jack, I'll call you yeah. uh, when the 
New part for the desk comes in. Oh, okay, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> nice meeting you. <laughs> nice meeting you. Oh, uh -huh. you dropped your sock. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Bye, Annie. Uh, would you like to sit? Thanks. Uh, not that chair. I heard it start to give before. Boy, they sure aren't making furniture the way they used to, are they? <laughs> Please, sit over there. My name is Charlotte Miller. I need you to find my husband. What happened to your husband? He disappeared. What do you mean? Disappeared. Well, my husband George and I are archaeologists. Did you ever read the book, I Can Dig It, He Can Dig It, We Can Dig It? I think I missed that one. Well, my husband and I wrote that. <laughs> I guess you could say we're famous. I know this may sound indelicate, but do you know if he was cheating on you? <laughs> That's just it. George and I were deeply in love with one another. He never, ever cheated on me, and I never cheated. Well, actually, there was this one time... <sighs> I was at an all-girls party, and there was a male dancer, and well, you can figure out the rest. But me and I really loved each other. How does the husband just disappear? I mean, did he run away? Was he abducted? I'm not sure. We were on a dig, and one night he went to his tent, and I went to my tent. You and, and your husband slept in different tents? All right, so we weren't so madly in love. Anyway, when I woke up in the morning and went to his tent, he was gone. He and this female assistant we had just hired, they were both gone, and they took the ring with them. Ring? What ring? The Ring of Minotaur. Isn't that a myth? It's no myth. The ring is real. It's the promise of immortality that's the myth. Isn't it always? My husband and I were trying to find proof of a first temple on Minotaur. We'd been on the dig for two weeks when we found the ring. And then a couple days later, he disappeared. And why do you want me to find him? Because I love my husband, and I want him back. Besides, that ring is half mine, and I want my share. Do you have any idea how much that thing is worth? A lot of money, I'm guessing. Priceless. That's how much it's worth. You couldn't even put a value on it. Who's this other woman your husband ran away with? I mean, disappeared with. I think she said her name was Jean. I didn't catch her last name. What did this Jean woman look like? She was tall and had reddish blonde hair. Oh, it can't be. What? Ms. Miller, if that's the woman I think it is, your husband's life may be in jeopardy. And if she's got what she wants from him, he may already be dead. How could that be? She's in jail. Computer, I feel terrible about breaking Annie's desk. Those guilt feelings stem from an incident you had when you were nine, Captain. Remember when you broke your mother's favorite chair and tried to fix it? I'll never forget it. The next time she went to sit down, it snapped in two when she broke her tailbone. I couldn't sit for two weeks after that. Many people block out traumatic episodes like that. I'm glad to see you're mature enough to face it. Well... Get me the price for a solid cherry wood desk. What style? Style? How the hell should I know? You pick the style. Very well. What type of furniture is in the room? What type? Well, it's light brown. The walls are off-white. Does that help? In other words, Captain, when it comes to furniture styles, you know nothing. Actually, I know less than nothing. Give me a range of prices. The Furniture Mart on Zellicos sells a beautiful imitation Queen Anne style for $6.50. $6.50? Wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, look, get me the price of a good particle board. Hold that a second, computer. There's a disabled ship up ahead. Bring me alongside. Looks abandoned. Any signs of life inside? One person, still living, but apparently unconscious. Huh. I'm going to board it.
I see the body. I'm going close to... Hello, Jack. Remember me? Richmond. I have some unfinished business with you. You'll never get away with this. I... Ah. Poor Jack. I'm still going to own this sector, only you won't be around to stop me. Daddy. What a shame. He was so good looking. Well, that's one down. One more to go. Where's Jack? He hasn't checked in yet. How can I help you? Who are you? Lieutenant Paul Rogers. I just transferred in from the fourth sector. And who are you? Ann Meggs. Oh, well, well. The famous Ann Meggs. It's an honor to meet you. Yeah, well, maybe you can help me. Why is Gene Richmond out of jail? Let's see. Uh, according to the file, all the evidence was destroyed in the police fire. What? The judge had to dismiss the case. But what about my testimony? Well, look, from what this says, thrown out. Because, well, this is strange. And Manx is dead. Odd. <laughs> you don't look dead. It's a long story. This is just great. I've got nine lives, but officially, I'm dead. Well, thanks to this wonderful legal system, Gene Richmond is about to kill again. And where the hell is Jack? He should have been back by now. Well, maybe he had to stop somewhere first. Don't worry about Richmond. We'll get her. When? After she kills? Lieutenant Rogers. Oh, no. Are you sure? All right, I'll be right there. Thanks. I want every available police officer to meet me in the conference room now. What's going on? You better leave, Miss Manx. Why? What's going on? Lieutenant, tell me. It's police business. Lieutenant, if it's Jack, tell me. I'm sorry, Manx. Tell me, please. Jack Reynolds is dead. What? No, I... I was just with him a couple of hours ago. He was investigating a report of a disabled ship. Apparently, it was a trap. When we found him, there was a note attached to his shirt. It said, one down, one more to go. Oh, Jack. Oh, God. Richmond, I will kill her if it's the last thing I do. Old man, read the inscription on this ring already. Hmm, I've never seen these symbols before. Georgie, sweetie. You told me this man could translate ancient languages. And I thought he could. At college, he was known as a man of a thousand tongues. All right, so I'm the man of 999 tongues. I don't know this one, but I know every other one. I know Shikarian, High Putonic, Low Putonic, Ancient Ebonics. Go on, ask me how to say have a nice day in Altunian. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what'd you kill him for? What do you think would happen if we let this man live? Word about the ring would spread throughout this sector like wildfire, and then every two-bit fortune hunter in the quadrant would be looking for us. We can't have that. No, now the police are going to be after us. The only cop who could have caught me is dead. The only other person to worry about is bound to show up sooner or later, and I'll be ready for her. No, I wouldn't have gotten into this if I knew people were going to get killed. You're such an honorable man, aren't you, Georgie? No, I try to be. That's why you and I snuck out of the camp in the middle of the night with this ring while your loving wife, who has a legal claim to half the ring's worth, was fast asleep in her bed. She's not my loving wife. Well, Georgie, I'm your loving girlfriend, and I worry about your health. If you can't find someone to translate the ring, something very bad might happen to you. And I wouldn't want that. What happened to that soft, cuddly woman that would come to me in the middle of the night and make me feel young and virile again? I don't know. I guess the sun came up. I don't want to be involved in any more killing. I'm, I'm leaving. Georgie, 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 the only killing that'll take place is if you try to leave. 
Now, I suggest you call every anthropologist you know until we find someone who can read the inscription on this ring. If you're one of them government types, beat it! Or I'll separate your head from your shoulders! Aunt Jenny! It's Anne! Your niece, remember? Annie! Give your senile old Aunt Jenny a hug! Do you have time to talk? And you want to talk to me! Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving me from my loneliness! Uh, come in, for goodness sakes! Come in! Annie, your eyes are all red. It takes away from your lovely face. You've got to start getting more sleep. I can't sleep, Aunt Jenny. Because... Jack's dead. Oh, Annie. I'm so sorry. What a terrible, terrible thing. Who's Jack? Oh, Jack was everything to me. We loved each other. But it's funny. We, we were also best of friends. Isn't that funny, Aunt Jenny? Oh, very funny, my dear. Absolutely hilarious. We could talk about anything, anytime. I'd call him in the middle of the night about some stupid thing, but he never complained. Not Jack. He was always there for me, and now he's gone. And I'm all alone. You could visit me more often, you know. I, I feel like killing Richmond, but I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do. Jack would have helped me make the right decision. You could call me more often, you know. I mean, I am so filled with rage, I can't think straight. You could ask me for advice any time you want, you know. What do I do, Aunt Jenny? I've tried to pray to Minotaur, but I never get a response. Every day since Jack's death, I have prayed for answers. And you know what I get? What, my dear? Crickets! You pray for crickets? <laughs> and I thought I was strange. No! I asked the soul of Minotaur to tell me whether to kill Richmond or to save her worthless life, and then I wait for an answer and all. All I get is the sound of crickets. I wonder what it means. You know what I think? What's that, my dear? There is no soul of Minotaur. And everyone is on their own in this life. <laughs> Boy, could I tell you stories about being on your own. I mean, if there was a soul of Minotaur, why would he take a good man away from me? Why? Why, I remember when I was alone on that stuck elevator years ago. <laughs> oh, boy, was I embarrassed when they finally found me. Everyone says killing is wrong, but why is it wrong? Just because some people say so? That isn't a good enough reason. I'm just so confused. Oh, don't feel bad, my dear. We all get that way. <sighs> How did you guys like the movie? Rachel, you know how much I hate family flicks. I didn't see a drop of blood in the whole movie. Ralph. Gina, what did you think of the movie? I agree with Dad, Mom. I was hoping to see a little blood, too. Or at least body parts flying all over the place. Careful, the light just turned red. Gina, look out! Doctor, is she going to be all right? She suffered a pretty traumatic head injury. We'll just have to wait and see. I want to be with her. All right. Gina, honey, it's Dad. Mom's here with me. Can you hear me? Gina, we love you. You'll have to be patient, folks. It may take a while for her to regain consciousness. What's she saying? It's just gibberish. The fact that she's speaking at all is a very good sign. I think she'll be all right now. Go away! No one's home! 
room! Ms. Manx, it's Charlotte Miller. Here's your deposit back. I quit! Ms. Manx, I'm sorry about your boyfriend. I know what it's like to lose someone you love. I thought you told me you and your husband couldn't stand each other. Before I met George, I was in love with someone so deeply that I couldn't think of anything else but him. I couldn't eat, I couldn't study, I couldn't focus. I'd call him all day long, that's how crazy I was for him. And then one day, he just disappeared. How did he die? He didn't die, he left me for someone else. Said I was suffocating him, obsessing on him. You see this piece of particle board? What about it? This is what's left of my desk. It was the last thing Jack touched before he left me. You know, they're doing wonderful things with cloning these days. I bet there's still some of his DNA on that. I can take it back to my you lab. You can clone 20 Jack Reynolds, but there'll still only be one Jack Reynolds. You know what's so sad? What? I can barely see his face in my mind anymore. Now I'm only gonna say this one more time. I quit! Take your deposit and leave me alone! <laughs> Welcome to Ye Old Collectibles. May I help? George. George Miller, is that you? Theodore Charles. How long has it been? A good five years, hasn't it? Actually, almost 15 years. Oh, that long? I see you've finally gotten some pieces from the Gregorian dynasty. I traced all the Ephesians' route over two quadrants to get those. Georgie, aren't you going to introduce me to your old friend? Oh, uh, Theodore, uh, this is Jean Richmond. She's my new assistant. Nice to meet you. So, George, how's Charlotte? I guess you could say we've split. I'm sorry to hear that. Mr. Charles, <laughs> we'd love to stay and chat, but we're in a hurry. We want to know if you could read the inscription on this ring. Is this? No. It can't be. This isn't the Ring of Minotaur, is it? It is. Now read it, please. <laughs> I can't read this. There's only one person... Look out! In... <clears throat> he, he ran out the back door. Damn. Charles. Charles, who's the person? Tell me. Damn it, he's dead. I take it you don't know who he was talking about, do you, Georgie? No. Um, <laughs> it seems someone doesn't want this inscription read. I'm beginning to think this ring really does have the power to make someone a god. And I'm gonna make sure that god is me. Nice shot. Doc, you just won't leave me alone, will you? You need a friend, Ms. Manx. I had a friend. He was killed, remember? I know, but it's been two weeks. Don't you think it's time to get back to work? I am getting back to work. I'm gonna kill Gene Richmond. Pass me that can, will you? Which one, the beans or the spam? Spam. <sighs> Listen, Doc, I know you mean well, but I can't think about taking any cases right now. I'm focused on one thing only, watching Gene Richmond expire. It consumes my every waking moment. I even dream about it. I don't believe in killing, but it's obvious I'm not gonna change your mind. If you're gonna kill her, give me the ring. That's all I want. Hold your ears. Great shot. <sighs> I'm gonna put a bullet right between her eyes and then I'm gonna get great satisfaction watching her brain ooze out of her head. You can be pretty graphic when you wanna be, can't you? And after you're satisfied that all her brains have oozed out, 
slip the ring off her finger and give it to me. You seem to want this ring awfully bad. You talk about being obsessed with killing Richmond, that's how I feel about the ring. I felt this way since my college days. It was my idea to search for the ring. George never believed in it. I was the one who got the funding for the expedition. I was the one who put the crew together. George went along because just in case there really was a ring, he'd get to share in the glory. <sighs> Miss Manx, I'm begging you. Get off your knees, Doc. Doesn't look good. Besides, don't you need the money? Hand me that can. The kidney beans or the string beans? Kidney. All right, Doc, I'll take the case. But I call all the shots, okay? Okay. After I kill Richmond, you get your ring. Deal? Deal. Hold your ears. Arrival on Minotaur complete. You may now exit the craft. We're here. This is the city dump. This is where the first temple was built. The second temple is about a mile west of here. Hey, look at this. A seatbelt clipped to a class four starfighter. I've been looking for one of these things for ages. Well, I guess tonight's been a success already. The excavation site is over that mountain of tires. Get down! <sighs> Do you know who that might be? I haven't a clue. These dumps are magnets for the scum of the planet. You got a gun? Yes. Good. It's back at the apartment. Take mine. I'll try to sneak around behind him. You can't mess with the Ring of Minotaur! You hear me? I won't let you! No one plays God except... God! Oh! 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 oh, oh, oh don't kill me, goddess. I guess I'll never be able to oh. escape that. It's okay, Dr. Oh. Miller! Just a drunken bum! I got oh. his gun! Oh. What's your name, jerk? Oh, don't kill me, please. I'm not good with the sight of blood. Oh, my God. Oh. Rory Murdoch. Hey, you know this guy? Oh. Rory Murdoch is the most uh. famous archaeologist of all time. He was uh. the one who discovered the Bushido Creed. No kidding. What the hell is that? Dr. Murdoch, this is Anne Manx. She's a private eye. She's helping me find George in the ring. Soon, the child will read the inscription. What child? According to the legend, a child will be born who is supposed to be the only one who can read the inscription on the ring. Let me guess. And when the inscription is read, whoever's wearing the ring is supposed to become immortal. You go to the head of the class, young lady. And people actually believe this hogwash? It's no hogwash. It's fact. Doctor, how do you know oh, the child's time has come? It's in the air. I can smell it. She must be killed. Oh, she's got to recite the oath near the eastern wall of the temple. And when she does, I'll be waiting for her. I thought you were she and the lady who has the ring. That's why I shot at you. That's why I already killed someone. <laughs> Minotaur, forgive me. You killed someone? <laughs> who? Theodore Charles. Charles? I thought he was your friend. He was about to tell your husband and the lady he was with about the child. So you killed him before he could. Eventually, they'll find out. I'm only putting off the inevitable. If the ring had never been found, the girl would have been able to live her life like a normal child. But now, she must die. All of civilization is at stake. I can't believe you believe this fantasy. I mean, you are an educated person. Oh, it's true, I tell you. Whoever has that ring will undoubtedly find out about the girl. And when that happens... My husband may be a lot of things, Doctor, but I don't think he wants to be a god. No, but the woman with him does. All right, Murdoch, I gotta take you in. Murder's illegal, you know. Do you know, Ms. Manx? 
And that was The Ring of Minotaur Part 1. Um, it goes on. Uh, check out rrca.com to purchase more of that production. Uh, but now we have an exclusive opportunity to speak to the creators, uh, Larry Weiner and Angelo Panetta, uh, joining us from down in New Jersey. Um, here we go. All right, well, welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Uh, happy to have with us today um, the two guys behind the Radio Repertory Company of America, RRCA, uh, creator of Anne Manx series, as well as some other um, sci-fi audio adventures. We've got Larry Weiner. He's a writer and creator um, of the story, uh, Anne. Um, hey, welcome, Larry. Thanks for asking us to uh, come in and join you. Uh, thank you. And we also have Angelo Panetta. He is the sound designer, uh, one of the producers here, and um, getting you guys both from uh, New Jersey. That's correct. Thanks for having us on, Fred. That's a huge pleasure. i so glad to ha- finally feature your work. Um, I know it's been uh, very highly lauded. Um, there are a couple of ways that listeners can find out about you. You're up at rrca.com. You've got a great, lively Facebook page. Um, your work is still streamed on um, Sirius XM Radio, I believe. And um, right. yeah, and uh, you know, it's you've been out for almost 20 years now, producing these high-end audio drama. And I guess uh, maybe that's that's a let's let's start there real quick. Um, can we just sort of get a quick introduction? Um, listeners who have heard you those past few times but have, aren't familiar with our RCA's history, you guys want to just uh, catch us up real quick? Yeah, sure. Our first uh, series was called Garson Krebs Private Eye. Yeah, they were uh, spoofs of a Staten Island, Jersey City-based detective who solves crimes not through his uh, talent but through his his luck. <laughs> and uh, from that, we uh, we spun off into a shorter four-episode half-hour series called The Brooks Sisters. And these are two uh, seasoned citizens, is what how we uh, labeled them, uh, who turn from the evil side to the, to, the, to the force, to the good side. And um, so our first couple of series were not sci-fi at all. And uh, we sort of wandered into it with our third series. We did something called Stealer of Souls. So I guess, Angela, you could sort of pick up from yeah, there. Yeah, the, the only other thing I'll mention is going back to how Garson started. Um, Larry and I worked together in local radio. He would write and I would produce commercials. And we knew each other on that venue for a very long time. And then he came to me one day. He said he read an article in the paper from Na- uh, Andy Trudeau from National Public Radio putting out a request for radio drama. And he says, you know, I think we can do this. You want to give it a go? And I said, yeah, I'd love to try. And we did the first episode of Garson Krebs kind of just as a audition. And um, Andy wrote a letter back or called you the next day and said, if you if the rest of your series is as funny as this episode, then, you know, you got a deal. And that's sort of how it started. Actually, he said to me, uh, I love this. How many more of these do you have? And I said, I've got nine more. Actually, we didn't have any more. <laughs> he said, I'll take them all. Yeah. So, uh, and he, I gave us, I think he gave us six months yeah, to we, get them to him. Yeah, <laughs> we spent all of our free time for the next six months doing those episodes. Writing nine more shows, getting them uh, produced, recorded, <laughs> and shipped out. And that, and that was for NPR at the time? Yes. Yeah, and we also actually scored uh, um, a parallel deal with a company called Medicom, which turned into a company called Radio Spirits, which at the time, we're going back to 1995 now, 96, 97, were the people responsible for all of the old-time radio cassettes on all of the shelves at Barnes & Nobles and Borders. So we were we had sort of a... Uh, we were on the radio and we were in the bookstores and that sort of launched our whole thing. Yeah, and I, I think that's pretty interesting because, you know, for me, I sort of see the 90s as kind of a black hole for radio drama. You know, we had this era yeah. 
when NPR certainly wasn't doing as much as they were, uh, you know, in the in the prior era, and then before we get into the age of digital and podcasting and that sort of thing, and and you actually kind of started your work there, and so, um, and and you've and you've kept up. So have have you been uh, mostly you would you say terrestrial radio, or have you you know you you are selling stuff to the internet now, and, and you want know, to just talk a little bit about how uh, the the technology stuff has changed around you in the last uh, you know eighteen years. Well, I can, I can just say quickly that uh, without the new technology, we probably couldn't be doing what we're doing because we uh, essentially traveled to Los Angeles to record most of our talent. We catch them out of sequence. We record these lines and then come back to Jersey and sort of bring people in on the fly. And if it weren't for the new digital technology, none of that would be possible. Well, also, too, in the early stages, we were dependent on distributors. We had Medicom in the first couple of years, and then we were with another company uh, out of California. And we weren't really getting the kind of revenue stream that we liked, and digital downloads was new. A company called Audible had just started to show up, I think, in 99 or 2000, and iTunes hadn't really come up, and... XM was just, you know, birthing. And all of these people contacted us because we already had content out there and we had a website, even though the internet was only a few years old. And they all contacted us and within the first few years of the new century, we were striking up deals with all of them. And we eliminated all of our uh, distribution deals with uh, brick-and-mortar stores. It just didn't seem necessary anymore, and it was much easier to go straight to the audience via the Internet. And now, uh, you know, we have things like social networking and mobile media, and we're sort of trying trying to take advantage of that now. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to talk about that more in a moment, but let's talk about the actual craft of it. So, uh, Larry, I understand you're pretty much the you're, – you're responsible. You're the writer and kind of the creator of the different characters and series. And do you want to talk a bit about that, about writing for radio and, and your, you know, what, you, what you draw upon there and, and what, what it means to you and that sort of thing? What do I draw upon? I don't know. There's something in my <laughs> mind that uh, sort of comes out at particular moments in time. Uh, it, it's funny because you're really writing for the eye in a way. It's the mind's eye. And so I'm always, when I write, I try to see what I'm writing. Uh, and I have to make sure that when I'm putting words on paper that the audience can also see. So sometimes I have to give them hints as to where we might be. And then Angelo, obviously, with his soundscape is, uh, is a big help. But most of uh, the stuff we do nowadays is pretty much uh, scre- uh, screenplay formula, three-act stuff. I, I write, uh, I try to keep it religiously to a... A movie format. We try to make these things as movie-like as possible, uh, even using movie actors. Um, so, and yeah, then it- I, actually, that's a really interesting point. I don't think in any of our interviews we actually ever talk about that. We really use TV and movie uh, talent, not voice talent. I mean, they all have great voices, and Claudia Christian makes a wonderful living voicing video games and other kinds of of, of voice type of of things, but. Generally speaking, we don't go after the voice community. And, and you mean things like, uh, say, audiobook narrators or radio personalities, ver- that, that's, that, that sort of thing, distinction versus uh, TV and film actors. Yeah, it's not that we avoid that. We, we've used Broadway actors, uh, TV actors, film actors. Uh, so we're, we're eclectic that way. We yeah, we've do- never uh, – yeah, never, it's funny. It's never really come up before in any of our interviews, but we've actually never pursued anyone known for their voice. We've always pursued them based on their um, camera work. So 
given that, given that you're working with these top talents, you know, how, how does the, the process of you pursuing a new production go? Do you, do you kind of know who you might work with beforehand or uh, do you have a story and then start try, trying to cast it or has, how does that part work? Well, when you, if you're talking about the Anne Mang series, obviously we, I have the character, I have the actress, and I probably have the antagonist as well, the Gene Richmond character. Uh, and we also generally like to bring in a, uh, a guest star. So I know sort of going into a, a new show idea that I might have a third co-star as well. So that sort of guides me a little bit. And this new one that uh, I'm putting on the finishing touches on, sort of follows that formula. So I, I knew we have, uh, I think we, we pretty much have somebody or we're yeah, still- Yeah, we, no, we, we have someone uh, <clears throat> in, in holding. I have to sort of see where, you know, we have to sort of go back and negotiate because we originally spoke with them a while ago. But even even with Songbird, um, Larry had already decided he wanted Kelly O'Hara. He had put out feelers for Shirley Jones and he was in contact with Ed Asner through some other situations that came up. Um, through Barbara Harris on our earlier production. So he already knew who he was writing for, even with that. So I don't know that there's... I think Garson Krebs and maybe... But even those, you knew who you were writing with, writing for, even for back back then. So I'm not sure any of it goes without him having an idea of what, what, he's, what the cast is. I, I would say the best way to describe us is celebrity-driven sci-fi comedy adventure is where we are now, and that sort of different than anyone else i think yeah yeah and and, and uh yeah and there, there really is nothing uh, like i say there's nothing uh quite like what you've done either now or in the pat uh, radio dramas past really uh and yeah so you you got the talent and how, how does the talent react i imagine you know actors take anything you throw at them but uh do they find it fun to, to work in kind of a different format and um you know do you want to just talk a bit about what the studio experience is like um yeah i'll i'll, I'll talk about i mean I'll talk about Claudia and, and Pat, Claudia Christian and Pat Tallman, because we use them so often in the Anne Mank series. And in the early days with Garson, we did everything together. The whole cast was present. They were half-hour shows. They were a lot easier to manage. So we would we would knock out a show or two a day and or a week, you know, one day in the week, and then I would edit the rest of the week. But when we moved to the feature-length program and we started to use celebrities, it became a little bit tougher to sort of I couldn't justify keeping a celebrity around all day so everybody else could grab their lines. So we just kind of went and did them isolated. So when we started working with Claudia and Pat, it was kind of a fun experience because they were really exciting to work with because they they were appreciative of the directorial position we had, and and they were Mm -hmm. very keen on anything we had to say. They were very encouraging. So, and if you hear Claudia talk about her experience with Anne Mang, she loves the character and has grown to love the character. So she looks forward to each and every one, and we we it just becomes more and more fun to work. Yeah, and and does that uh, help on the the writing side too, Larry? As you get to see how the character evolves and and the, how the actors in studio, does that sort of change your perception of the story as it evolves? Well, it it if if I know who I'm working with, such as a Claudia Christian or, or a Pat Tolman, I. I, I sort of push them each time uh, I come up with a new script because I know what I can get from them in the studio. I know what we're going to get from them, and I sort of write to their ability in a way. And are you flying out to L.A. each time if you if you do have someone and they get them for you know a couple hours? You're uh, you've you've got a stu- regular studio session in that you're recording people. Yeah, we we book a studio out in L.A. that we've we've used uh, since the beginning of our process. It's uh, in West Hollywood and. 
we have a really good relationship with the owner there, and, and we like it there. It's really convenient, easy to get to. So, um, you know, they, the girls come in, and one, one little story I'll, I'll tell is um, in Ring of Minotaur, there's a fight sequence in the cave, and Claudia recorded her part where she's punching Richmond out, and then Richmond, you know, comes in and records her part. And, you know, they have to rely on us. And I have a pretty good auditory sense. I, I don't know that I have um, photographic memory, but I kind of have an auditory memory. I can kind of, when I hear a performance, I can kind of remember exactly how they're doing it so that when I get the other character in the studio, I know in my head how the first character has done their lines. So I help them get through it in a way that I know will cut together later. I got to hand it to you, Richmond. You got a jaw made of steel. And yours must be made of titanium. Hold it. Hold it a minute, will you? You give up? You know we're going to die in here together. What better way to go than to finally beat you to a bloody pulp? I think I could die happy knowing that I got you first. Did it ever occur to you that maybe if we put our heads together, we might find a way out of here and actually survive? Obviously it didn't. Look around, Manx. There's no way out. The boulder in front of the door must weigh, what, tons? Face it, we're gonna die. Maybe, maybe not. But if we don't stop killing each other and work together, we'll never find out. Yeah, and you are the sound designer, Angelo. So talk about that. Uh, you know, you you're out there. You you work with your talent. You've got it all in the bag, and you're the one who's responsible for turning this into a final production. Yeah, well, Larry, as he as he stated about pushing the actors, well, he 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 punch he, he pulls no punches pushing me either. <laughs> he he writes some of the most bizarre scenarios, and we decided I don't know if it was a mutual choice or Larry thought on his own, but we decided back in the beginning not to have a narrator. So there's no narration in any of our productions. Um, and maybe except for Bumblebee, which is not really a true narrator. He is also sort of a character in the, in the audio play. But we decided not to have anybody telling you where you are, segueing you from scene to scene. Everything's done with dialogue and sound only. When we were doing Garrison Krebs, we had all these shows. We were doing them in a short amount of time. We were knocking them out. Larry would sort of have sort of a opening that was somewhat the same in each episode. Garson would get a visit from a potential client. He would start his investigation. He would start knocking on doors, asking questions. And after about the third or fourth door knock, I, I decided I didn't really want to hear someone talking, um, open the door and start talking. So I started the conversation with the door closed, mm -hmm. uh, kind of muffled, and then the door would open midway and it kind of opened up. Larry heard that and the next scripts that started coming to me were characters under beds and locked in closets and <laughs> communicating on walkie-talkies locked in closets and under beds and it was just so he from there he's taken and then he has these crazy I'm sure you've if your audience has heard Songbird the whole third act we're constant within two minutes within 30 seconds sometimes we're in a new location and there's nothing but the sound and the dialogue to tell you that you've changed your position yeah and that's one of the the real fun sleights of hand you can do with audio uh, well, so let's talk about the Anne Mangs character. Um, did you, uh, again, going back to like uh, the the casting, did you have this idea for the um, kind of sassy 
of, you know, Anne Meng's character before or after you knew that you'd be able to work with someone like Claudia Christian? Oh, this this came before. Uh, we, we didn't know. Uh, to be perfectly honest about this, my original uh, celebrity for the Anne Manx character was Jerry Ryan. She and, played Seven of Nine, the Voyage, Voyager series. Yes, Star Trek yeah. Voyager. Uh, so I didn't. I had her in mind, but that that didn't really uh, guide the character. I've always, through my experience in in stage work and some of my early career in film work, you know, the male has always been the central character. So I got was intrigued with the idea of why don't we make a the female the central character, and she can be sort of an atypical type of female lead, and uh, so I, I made her as big and brassy as, as I could. But I'll tell you a funny story about how we got Claudia, because Jerry Ryan was on the list, and I think there was somebody else, another big female star at the time. But we also, I was a big fan of Babylon 5, and I also had Claudia Christian on the list, And but we didn't know how to get to her. We had tried her agent. Larry had called her agent, I think, maybe two or three different agents. We hadn't gotten any responses or whatever. It was a funny situation because I had traveled down to Atlanta for one of the sci-fi conventions, and Larry uh, wasn't with me that particular year. And I walked the floor, and I was looking at the list of celebrities, and um, not on the list, but lo and behold, in front of me at a table signing, who just showed up at the last minute was Claudia Christian. And I said, <laughs> I said, oh, my God. So I called Larry, and I said, Larry, she's here. And he goes, who's here? I says, Claudia Christian, she's at the convention. He says, well, go up to her, walk up to her, tell her we've been trying to reach her. And I basically did. I, I sort of stood on the line and waited my turn, and I walked up to her, and I said hi, introduced who I was, told her that we'd been trying to reach her to be in a radio drama. She gave me her personal phone number, and within two weeks, we were in L.A. recording her for the first Anne Manx. Mm. Um, yeah, and then you get to, to, to produce it, and then you get to, to bring them in the studio, and um, you, you release it, and you, you, you keep on going. And um, the new one is called Anne Manx, The Blood Chase. It's um, on your website now. It says you're in pre-production. Um, Empress Blair is also quite recent. People have heard today the first part of Ring of Minotaur, and they can uh, catch the rest up at your website. Um, we'll also talk about the Facebook page. Uh, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Radio Repertory, R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, Radio Repertory. Um, so which is a kind of a nice transition. So you we, we you were going back to earlier, you are talking about kind of going from this distributor-based uh, you know, ecosystem to, to fan direct support. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because you you've definitely have, it seems that you're on the kind of the forefront of that, uh, that kind of transition. Well, we just started kind of, I mean, I think... Uh, unfortunately for us, we've sort of been a little bit late in, in this particular arena. We, we've kind of let our distributors, XM Radio and Audible iTunes, kind of carry the ball. But I think I think at some point I said to Larry, I said, you know what, I want to try this Facebook thing. I, I think we can get a little stronger connection with our fan base, and I want to see if who they are because we can't get any contact to our fan base through iTunes or Amazon or, or XM, or XM. Really. There's, there's no way to know who our fan base is, and we've been around for so long, we don't know who they are. So I'm saying, well, maybe they know, maybe they don't know where we are, or they can find us, or whatever. So um, I was very fortunate. Uh, the local university had started a program for a social media major, and I picked up uh, this wonderful gal, Melanie Rodriguez, and she um, helped launch the Facebook and got the store off the ground, uh, downloads, and 
linked it to our website and started a YouTube. And I think we started at 77 in February and we're up to 900 as of today. I think, uh, you know, we're connecting with our fans. It's still kind of new and we're, you know, we want to keep building it, uh, especially since the new release is coming. We want to keep going forward and just sort of building our fan base. And it's uh, satisfying to hear our fans quoting lines from the show. So huh. you know they're paying attention to the stuff. Right. Yeah, you know, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I wonder what you think, you know, of the, the media system, you know, the, the whole media. Whole because media. certainly you're, uh, I would not imagine at least that, you're, that NPR is really, um, you know, in, in a position where they're picking up radio drama nowadays. But you, you still are on XM. But what do you think about, you know, regular radio? I think that I think that genre is gone forever. I mean, it's you know, XM has sort of put a nail in that coffin. I don't think there's anyone in that arena doing uh, what used to be NPR. I don't think there's anyone doing no, what no. used to be NPR. XM radio and iTunes and podcasts have completely obliterated that form. Yeah, and now you have places like Pandora. You can really make your own entertainment. You know, you can dictate your own interests and likes and things like that so uh it's a changing world yeah yeah and, and would you say you know you say you, you have uh you know strong um carriage through audible and and others and you and, and and do you are you getting a feel for your fans like are they drawn like how much are they drawn to the series once they start following the series or do they get into it because they hear of a you know a name actor who who excites them and that they know or you know do you, do you have a feeling how people are stumbling across this this work of yours I think it's the series, right? Angela? Yeah, it's mostly the series, and and we're quite frankly, Fred, we're still kind of learning about that now that we're sort of in touch with our fan base through uh, social media. We never really knew the answers to those questions. We never really knew who was finding us or how they were finding us. Uh, you know, we would see our sales reports, but that was pretty much it. We didn't know who they were, what kind of people they were, what they kind of liked, and we're finding that there's a pretty strong following for the Anne Mang series, and and actually, there's a really good handful of people who like the old stuff um the garrison crabs especially and i think i just got a request on the facebook last week for for some of the older stuff to be run on our weekend streaming yeah but then you do 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 something completely different like songbird and you want to say mention that larry since we did hear part of it yeah um, you know why why do something totally different like songbird well i think i was always concerned that we would be locked into just one series uh and that's all we would be known for i I said every once in a while we should just do a standalone piece to maybe broaden the fan base, to bring in a different type of actor. Uh, and it, it, my feeling was that if people love the Radio Repertory brand, they would look forward to any product that we uh, rolled out to them. So I just felt it helped uh, you know, embellish our, cre our credibility and expand the brand. And I, I, I think we'll probably continue to do those, but Ann Manx is obviously the staple of our repertory, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, it's been a, a great pleasure talking to you guys. Um, I will let listeners check out more of you. Again, It's uh, our, so the website is rrca.com. You've got plenty of samples of uh, work, both new and uh, vintage works there. Um, the ability to listen to samples and then to purchase um, either directly through you guys or through Audible, ZBS, Amazon, iTunes, whatever suits your fancy. Um, you get your Facebook page and YouTube linked from your website. And then uh, if you want to go straight to Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash 
radio repertory. Um, and any any words about what you're working on now that you'd like to, to tease out to fans or get listeners excited about? Well, I just think our new show, we're, we're hoping to uh, get out to L.A. sometime this later this summer to begin recording, and I uh, think it'll be the m- most exciting one so far. It puts a lot of pieces together, yeah. but opens up more questions. Yeah, I mean, um, any any fan of the series knows that Anne has a limited number of lives to regenerate, and when we ended with Amazonia, uh, Gene Richmond character has sort of stumbled on to the idea that, that this is the case and that Anne is kind of has this thing that she's been wondering why she can't seem to get rid of her. And then by the time we get to Empress Blair, we've sort of come to the idea that maybe this is it for Anne Manx. Maybe the next time she gets seriously injured, she's not going to be able to survive. And that sort of becomes the case at the beginning of the blood chase. And she, uh, I'm excited about it because I don't want to give away too much, but I'm excited about it. There's a lot of interesting sound design soundscape elements in this one that we've not explored ever before and I think um, it's going to play really really well and once again anytime Gene Richmond is in in the cast it adds a third layer of complexity that just makes my job way fun excellent well that we look forward to it um, again you can follow them on Facebook or follow uh, check out their website now um, Radio Repertory Company Angelo Panetto Larry Weiner thank you guys so much for taking the time Thank you very much, Fred. Thank you, Fred. And that was an interview with Larry Weiner and Angelo Panetta of RRCA. Uh, again, some of those links, rrca.com for their website and their Facebook page, which is actually quite lively, facebook.com forward slash radio repertory. And, um, yeah, check them out and um, support their productions and uh, hear some uh, known actors and actresses doing different stuff in audio and love uh, what they're doing there. I uh, wish there was more of it, um, but you can enjoy what they're up to at rrca.com or facebook.com forward slash radio repertory. Okay, um, on to next week. Uh, we will be featuring some new goodies. Mark Time Awards are coming up. Uh, Final Room Productions did score the Gold Ogle this year alongside with Julie Hoverson won um, Gold Ogle as well. Uh, we'll be doing much, much, much more Mark Time stuff and talking up those awards um, coming up from Convergence in Minneapolis in a couple weeks. Uh, we do want to send our congratulations to all the winners, including if the gold Mark Time was uh, won by uh, Dieter Zimmerman of Protophonic. Uh, we heard him with Brad Lansky. I actually got to go visit him in South Africa. be uh, thrilled to meet him again, uh, talking about his new show, uh, 4D Verse, in Minneapolis in a few weeks. Uh, Wireless Theater Company is on that list, as well as Our Fair City. I remember we heard them a few weeks back. Um, on this show as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people who have gone on Mark Time Awards, we caught them here first, and it was it's good to know that um, our tastes uh, match with the judging of the Mark Time Award. And, uh, yeah, and it's always a thrill. There's going to be a ton of producers out this year, including David Osmond and Phil Proctor of Firesign Theater, both gentlemen I've never met before, so I'm really thrilled with the opportunity to meet them. And um, that's all coming up in a few weeks. Um, in the meantime, you can, of course, find over 200 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com. We've got um, featured genre, um, deep archives of content, mega content pages. Uh, search everything we've ever aired and uh, take our survey. Get us one step closer to the app, the streaming Pandora, like Radio Drama app. Um, you find all of us on Twitter nowadays at Radio Drama or our Facebook page, Radio Drama Revival, or iTunes. Search Radio Drama Revival. And please, if you have the... Uh, feeling of to do so, uh, leave a review or thumbs us up or uh, tell your friends. Uh, that's what keeps this show going. Um, and um, yeah, you can always send feedback to me at fred at radiodramarevival.com. 
All right, that's a wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains to their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates an on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Southern Maine's community radio. This podcast at radiodramarevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Oh,